Okay, it is April 10th, 2017, the day that we should be celebrating that the fiduciary standard we've become the law of the land in the United States. Instead, we're sitting shiva or having a funeral or a wake, depending on who you are and what you celebrate or don't celebrate. We're here with John Stein, the CEO of Betterment, Mika Hopman, the financial services counsel at the Consumer Federation of America, and Maureen Thompson, the vice president of public policy at the CFP board. And John, I was just saying before we went on the air that this was supposed to be our big celebration. Now I'm kind of bummed out. What are we supposed to think about? What, what, what does April 10th mean now? April 10th was supposed to be the day that anyone who's getting advice about their retirement accounts has to be receiving fiduciary best interest advice on those accounts. The rule has been delayed uh, at least 60 days. uh, And we were talking this morning on a panel about what this means for the future of the rule. It's not good. Uh, it's a it's a it's a bit of a downer. There's a lot of ways that this rule could be killed. There is some hope. And uh, and there are reasons to believe that it's gonna be hard to change the rule that it has a lot of momentum. And it's kind of anybody's guess. There's arguments on both sides about this. Can I hear the upside, please? Uh, Who wants to do that, Micah or Maureen? Who wants to give me the upside of like the potential for something good that could happen from this moment forward? Well, I'll give it because I don't think Micah can. Um, (laughs) So I would say that there is the rules in a lot of danger. Nobody will dispute the fact that we have an uphill challenge to preserve the parts of the rule that we really need in it. However... There is some momentum toward fiduciary advice. Um, The presidential memorandum seemed to have focused attention um, among consumers, among the media, and others about what kind of advice people are getting in the retirement space. And um, increasingly, I think consumers are going to start demanding fiduciary advice. And I think firms that have taken steps to implement uh, and to be compliant with the rule Hopefully, we'll continue to move forward with it. So absolutely an uphill challenge, but there is some hope that marketplace demand will help uh, move us toward a fiduciary standard. Now, just to be clear, Micah confessed before that here it is a 1135. He's only had coffee today, so he's probably in a cranky mood. Now you're going to give us the downside of what can happen to fiduciary from here. Yeah, so the fiduciary rule, which was passed um, last April and which would have taken effect, been implemented beginning today, was one of the strongest investor protections in a generation. Um, but unfortunately, it's it's at risk. Um, so, so retirement savers are susceptible to being harmed in a variety of ways, and uh, we need the protections of the rule to, to stop that harm from, from occurring. So, Micah, what would, what would a consumer need to know right this second? You're going, you know, a lot of people getting tax refunds or reassessing their entire financial lives around tax season. What can they do if this rule is not in place to protect themselves? Yeah, you raise a really interesting point. There are a lot of firms that provide incentives uh, based around tax season to uh, fund your IRA. And uh, currently, IRA advice is not protected by a best interest standard. So uh, people should be asking whoever is giving uh, investment advice to their IRA, are you a fiduciary? Are you serving my best interest? And um, how are you compensated? Uh, and what, have you, what are your conflicts of interest? And speaking of, so let me just parenthetically say conflicts of interest. John Stein of Betterment, you are the sponsor of this podcast. So we have a conflict of interest, which I'm disclosing. Now, see how easy that was? Isn't that easy to disclose that? <laughs> so easy. What's so hard about 
fiduciary. That's what I cannot get over. It's like, okay, we're just going to tell like, hey, this guy's the sponsor or, hey, I'm getting paid this from an, a third party. Why is it so hard for this industry you know, to do it? It's so clear that this rule is in the best interest of consumers. It's just so obvious. And there's no one on the other side of that, frankly. The only people who are against this rule are people who have a financial incentive to hang on to the bad way that things are now. And consumers are being harmed right now. I mean, this is not a hypothetical. They are being harmed today. And, and, and things maybe were starting to get better in anticipation of the rule coming out. Firms started sending out letters disclosing their fees and, and telling people how much they've been paying. And customers saw this. And anecdotally, we've had more customers than ever call us up and say, I just realized what I'm paying my broker. That's not going to continue. That kind of good progress isn't going to continue if this rule goes by the wayside. Okay, I'm sorry. So, Maureen, you were about to say as well. Well, I'm just going to say that if you are a certified financial planner, you already have to provide financial planning services as a fiduciary. Much of what's contained in the DOL rule is already required of CFPs. And so for everybody who is saying we can't possibly operate under this standard, we can't do this, we are here to say you can do it, and it's being done every day by 76,000 CFP professionals. It's amazing. And I was just going to add to what Micah said. I would also suggest to consumers that they not only ask the question, but that they get that in writing. One of the things that Micah and Maureen make a great point of is how much this rule is just applying existing standards more broadly to everyone who's getting any kind of retirement, quote, advice. It's not an unsustainable standard. It's just using the best practices. So it's using some of the, the same enforcement mechanisms that FINRA uses. It's, mm-hmm. it's using some of the same guidance from Dodd-Frank that, mm-hmm. that everyone for a long time has been advocating for. It's really an easy standard to, uh, to, to apply. So, John, when you were starting better, you know, it seems like 100 years ago, but it's only 9, 10. When was it? When did you start? 10 years ago. 10 years ago. What did you know about fiduciary? Did you know anything about this? We were talking for at, at length at that time about what kind of entity we wanted to be. Are we going to be a mutual fund? Are we going to be a broker? Are we going to be a bank? How do we build this service that we want to build? We had the vision for the future of investing. We had the vision for this, this product that would automate all the best practices for you and just do the right thing. And the only vehicle to do that at, at the time was to be a registered investment advisor. We had to be an RIA. And so we knew that was going to be our customer-facing vehicle from those early conversations. And you actually have CFPs that are on staff. Oh, wait a minute. More disclosure. I'm a CFP. So I guess that what's interesting about this day and that you're right, we have more attention that's put on this, is um, I guess I feel a little bit uptight around what is actually going to be disclosed and what is not going to be disclosed. So in addition to saying, are you held to the fiduciary rule or standard, what are other things that a consumer should know, Micah, for example, about fees or about conflicts of interest, questions that you can ask your current advisor? Maybe you think your advisor's putting your interest first, but not. Yeah, those are great questions. Um, And it's really hard to tell under the current uh, status quo because a lot of firms advertise as uh, trusted advisors. They use titles like financial advisor or financial consultant or retirement counselor or financial planner. Um, even if they're not a certified financial mm. planner, and they advertise as as in positions of trust and reliance, and that they're providing investment advice, 
when effectively they're providing a sales pitch that's disguised as investment advice. So it's really important for investors to ask, are you a fiduciary and are you uh, held to a fiduciary standard? Are you mitigating conflicts? Um, and uh, are you disclosing conflicts that can't be mitigated? But this- one thing that's interesting is that you can have a conflict. Absolutely. You know, there are conflicts in everything we do. And so why the pushback from the industry around disclosing those conflicts or saying, you know, hey, you can buy a 529 plan on your own, Mrs. Jones. You could do it and it would be cheaper for you. If you want me to do it, it's going to cost you this much. I don't see what the pushback on it is around that. And I've been told by some in the industry that it is liability. It is legally, we don't want there to be some slew of class action lawsuits. Mike, I know you're an attorney. Sorry, I just outed you. Um, But, you know, where is that liability and what's the problem? Why is there more liability from having this rule in place versus uh, you have rogue salespeople who invite lawsuits just by giving stupid advice? If if I can take that. So the beauty of this rule is it's not completely reliant on disclosure. Um, it it really targets conflicts of interest which are embedded in the compensation practices of various firms. And so firms create compensation practices to reward and encourage advisors to work against their clients' best interest. And that's what this rule stops. So they create incentives to um, to recommend one product over another by paying, you know, four, five, in some cases, 20 times what they would otherwise be paid. And of course, people are going to act on their incentives. It's human nature. So this rule requires firms to rein in their conflicts, to um, to 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 not reward and encourage firms to work against or advisors to work against their conflicts. And uh, about the liability component, it's been a, a scare tactic by the industry opponents for as long as I can remember. Um, but people should be held accountable for their advice. It's a simple proposition, but unfortunately, the industry opponents are not willing to be held responsible for their advice. They want to hold out as fiduciaries without actually acting like it. Maureen, what responsibility do consumers themselves have? Now I'm going to put on an industry hat. This is so funny. I never do this, but I'll I'll play the industry. You know, there's plenty of times where um, people will say like, well, I didn't know that he was or she was a da-da-da-da-da, or I didn't understand that I was taking so much risk when many times the customer does understand that. So what responsibility do we have as consumers in this relationship? Well, obviously consumers have a responsibility to know who they're working with. That I think is the number one decision most people will make and and often it's the only decision somebody will, will make. So the fact that somebody spends more time researching a car they're going to buy than who they're going to give their money to their retirement savings, um, who they're going to turn that over to. So the, I think the big responsibility people have is to know who you're working with. The nice boy down the street, you know, who goes to the same church and he may be a nice boy, but not necessarily somebody you want to entrust your retirement savings with. Know who you're working with, get that form ADV, get whatever other disclosures you can from them. Ask them if they're working in your best interest, if they're a fiduciary. Other than that, I think it's really tough for people because the industry has has built around itself um, 
lots of ways for people to keep people from truly understanding what it is they're working with. We don't under- ask people to understand their own medical condition or the law or anything else. We shouldn't ask more of them in this instance. Know who you're working with. The problem that we have, I agree with everything you're saying, the problem that we have in this industry is that customers think they're getting fiduciary-aligned advice. Whenever they talk to a financial representative, they think that they're getting the truth. You know when you're talking to a used car salesperson to question everything and to do your own homework. You know to research those purchases. And people just assume that financial services is so heavily regulated. Well, it must be in my best interest, but it's not at all. And there's all these deceptive practices and, and hidden fees and all these things going on today. This rule would put an end to a lot of the worst abuses. It is not held to the standard that people think it is. And that's the underlying problem. And John, just as we finish up here, um, you know, you have a different kind of business. Let's call it, you know, I I sort of feel like the industry has evolved and the robo-advisor platform is a different type of business. And I think that there are some people who are listening who are like, oh, my God, I'm not putting myself in the hands of an algorithm. Can you just talk about how the the robo platform can actually be more transparent than dealing with a human being well i think it's it's there's there's not really such thing as like just a pure robo platform or a pure human platform there is it's it's always a little bit of both we've got 220 people working at betterment there are uh nice things that computers can do better in a more transparent consistent reliable repeatable way than humans. And you can regulate them as such. You can you can audit them. You can see what advice they've recommended over time. It's much harder to do that with a person who can have a conflict of business, can wake up on the wrong side of the bed, can have some kind of investment in another company that they don't want to disclose to you. An algorithm doesn't have any of those things. An algorithm is what it is. Uh, and so in, in many ways, it's easier to make sure that that's aligned with your best interests. I think one of the most interesting things about this rule and comment period there have been 10 to 1 comments in support of letting the rule go forward versus those who, who wanted to delay it. And that one was just Gary Cohn himself. <laughs> okay, right. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, before we leave, here we go. Um, each of you will now give me odds that fiduciary will be the law of the land in not just retirement accounts but in all investment accounts within – the next 10 years. John, what are the odds of that happening? 80%. John, 80%. John Stein, the CEO of Betterment. Micah Hopman from the Financial Services Council at the Consumer Federation of America. What are the chances that we fiduciary is the law of the land within the next 10 years? What percentage probability? Across all Everything. regulations? Everything. Zero. Um, because- what did you say? Okay, maybe 1%. <laughs> if I'm being optimistic. I got 80%, um, I got 1%. Well, okay, so I'll, I'll explain. Um, that would require a fiduciary standard for DOL. And when I'm talking about a fiduciary standard, I'm talking about a meaningful and legally enforceable best interest standard that uh, really requires firms to rein in their perverse conflicts that that often you know pervade their conflicts. Yes, he throws their, in perverse. I love uh, that. <laughs> their business models. Um, so it would require DOL action. It would require SEC action. Yes. And it would require 50 state insurance commissioners to all agree on a fiduciary standard to cover all products and all accounts. And I just think that's a tall order. But I think what we can do in the near term, which would best protect the vast majority of investors, is to get the DOL rule in place. All right. Write your congressman. Maureen Thompson, 10 years. What do you think? 
uh, I would say maybe 25%. Splitting the difference. It, I like that about you. <laughs> I don't, I, I, you know, it's tough. It's a tall order. At this point, I will be happy if in 10 years we have a good, strong DOL rule. Here's my thought. My thought is that um, we are going to shame everyone into doing it before it actually becomes the law of the land, meaning that all you big babies who've been whining and sending me nasty emails for the last eight years, you can start sucking your thumb right now and get ready because all of your clients are going to come in and start asking you whether or not you're a fiduciary and whether you're held to the fiduciary standard and best interest. So thank you for this special extra edition of the Better Off podcast. John Stein, the CEO of Betterment, Mika Hoffman, Financial Services Counsel at the Consumer Federation of America, Maureen Thompson, Vice President of Public Policy at the CFP Board, Dan Drummond, Super Duper Flack of the CFP Board, Joe Zemer, Super Duper Flack of Betterment, and Mark, the best producer in the world. I'm Jill Schlesinger. Thanks for listening.